Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 82 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal. Primers, now first things first, Angelo, I would like to discuss something that I know you love doing, I know that you enjoy thinking about, conceptualizing, and actually going through, <laughs> uh, and that is, my friend, I uh, booked my first Genius Bar appointment at the Apple Store uh, near both where you and I work um, last week, and uh, so I had headphones that weren't working. Uh, and I decided, you know what? I'm still under Apple Care. I'm gonna go ahead and get that replaced. And I stepped up to the Apple Store. I went upstairs to the second floor where there was like no joke, probably like 50 people there. Yeah, yeah, it's always busy there. Uh, when did you go? What was the time? It was, it was a Friday, uh, right before two o'clock. Oh yeah, packed, packed. It was uh, crazy. I try to make my appointments like at 10 a.m. when they just open. And uh, you know, it's funny. The Apple Store is pretty much halfway between where we work it's almost like it's a it's a sign it's a sign it's the halfway point <laughs> they're actually really good about replacing stuff like ear pods and lightning cables because um, they're actually i don't know if people know this but those are covered under your apple care of whatever phone you have that's right yes so sometimes pro tip if you have a lightning cable from an old phone that you're still using and you have a new phone you can bring them that lightning cable and they'll actually cover it how uh have the the tables have turned here angela because usually i'm the one suggesting these life hacks not you yeah i i've done that a couple of times actually never with lightning cables i'm i don't know what's wrong with me maybe uh i'm very delicate but i've never had any episode unto itself (laughs) i don't know what's wrong with me exactly Uh, but i i hear so many people complaining about their lightning cables fraying and breaking i don't know what the hell they're doing with these things they're moving them a lot i guess i mine I'm very simple when it comes to charging my phone. I charge it once at lunchtime and once I put it in the evening when I go to bed. And that's it. My phone's never out of a charge. You sound like a robot man there. I am. Just Apple man. Anyways, it was a really good... uh, it took like 10 minutes max. They didn't take down my description. They just yelled out the the name Brian over and over. And, you know, one of the Apple tech guys grabbed uh, my uh, earbuds, checked them out, realized that they were not working, and then just quickly handed me a new pair. No problems. Double density. So I want to continue sort of like with like personal foibles and things. So I, uh, I'm i getting married next year, as you are aware, Angelo. And so I'm trying to figure out how to best assemble my groomsmen um, in order to talk to them all at once. Because some of them have Facebook. Some of them don't. Some of them use Hangouts. Some of them don't. Some of them have other uh, social media apps. Some of them don't. So I, tried, I was trying to figure out like common ground. So finally, I broke down. I installed WhatsApp. And I started a group there. But it's kind of weird that I had to like figure out everyone's like weird nuanced take on how how they want to communicate. They don't all have uh, text messaging. I guess it's not the same thing because you can't do good group messaging in that, can you? Well, one and two, one of my groomsmen is leaving uh, the continent for six months. Oh, yeah. Well, WhatsApp is good for that. I installed WhatsApp this past summer to communicate with my parents in Italy because uh, they went there uh, on a vacation. And uh, I don't like WhatsApp. Why not? It's It's just, I don't know. You know what? It's owned by Facebook. Anything to do with Facebook is kind of scuzzy, in my opinion. Well, uh, except for Instagram. Instagram is perfect. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into that later as it's not perfect. But uh, Facebook is quite scuzzy. Uh, just as a side note, there's this New York Times article that basically states, and they have numerous unnamed sources, and I actually do believe them, that uh, they attacked activists who are against Facebook by claiming that they were being paid by George Soros. So it's kind of interesting that Facebook is actually propagating these strange uh, outright lies. There's an airplane flying over my house right now. It's pretty loud. Do you think it's George Soros related? Maybe. Uh, or it's the aliens. <laughs> Either or. They're getting, a, like, they're taking a, a 
a page out of uh, InfoWars's page uh, playbook there. Yes, absolutely. Like one, and then two, like you were kind of legitimizing what the fringe has done into the mainstream, right? If you're like the largest social networking platform in the world and you decide to do that, then I don't know if it's a good look or not. I don't, I don't think it is. It is not. I can go on record and say it's not a good look. It's funny that you bring up Alex Jones, though, uh, earlier this week. It was found that Alex Jones's InfoWars uh, web store was probably carrying some malicious code, uh, capturing your credit card information. If you are, uh, how, like, what is the diplomatic word for, like, dumb? Are, are, are we shocked by this? No. Did you read the statement he put out? Yes. We're going to link to an article in the show notes from ZDNet, a uh, longstanding uh, website uh, of tech news and all things there. And, and yes, yeah, so they basically contacted Alex Jones and Alex Jones gave a full statement where he's blaming the China, the communist Chinese and the democratic party. Of course, I think it's, I think that's what's uh, they're on top of their priority list right now. Get 1600 credit card numbers from, I think it was only 1600. Yeah, numbers it was, too. It, it, so uh, purportedly 1600, maybe less, but my favorite part though, is at the end um, in Alex Jones, statement. Uh, I wonder if he himself drafted this while shirtless yelling at things or if he has like a like an assistant now who drafts all of his like media responses i think he likes to keep it real and put his own media responses out there okay so the last paragraph in this whole thing is i'm gonna read this in summation america is under attack by globalist forces and anyone standing up for a republic will be attacked mercilessly by the corporate press antifa and rogue intelligence operatives Infowars will never surrender oh boy and they're they're they've been busy uh, making doctored videos for the white house so well we're not going to talk about that uh i feel like that is best discussed by other people who know more yeah um about i mean like the thing is like you and i can talk about that i have a bit of a background on this i can explain why i think it's not and it is doctored uh ultimately it, any edited video is a doctored video in my opinion I guess that's true. I mean, this podcast is doctored. Well, yes, it is uh, carefully meticulously edited by uh, three to four trained chimpanzees with oversized headphones. Exactly. Speaking of chimpanzees with headphones, and this is a horrible, horrible segue, I would like to spend this time talking about Wikipedia. How does that sound? That sounds great. Wikipedia is the best. It's also the worst, apparently, if you're an editor. So uh, I'm, we're going to link uh, to this, too, in the show notes. Um, there's a motherboard article uh, all about how a lot of Wikipedia editors and, um, are just stuck in beefs with the, each other forever and ever. They have a shared goal, right? Edit this Wikipedia page to make it right. And they seem to be having so much trouble figuring out what is right. And then they they almost try to like ruin each other's lives with this stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what happens is that when two editors don't see eye to eye about particular edits, they can then submit a request for comment RFC. And then what happens is that it's kind of like this weird kind of like uh, open discussion amongst other editors about how to proceed. But there's no good way in which to uh, resolve these conflicts. So they just kind of tend to go uh, in circles a lot. And there's like personal attacks. There's a lot of like nastiness going on. Um, and it, there's a lot of these. A lot of these 42 um, percent just aren't never closed i i like the terms they use i mean i've heard of sock puppeting before uh, i've seen that in uh, internet forums happening and and this is a similar thing where they get like fake accounts to boost their side but i like the term meat puppeting which is where they actually recruit other people to join their side it's kind of funny yeah it's well it's kind of like campaigning for what you think is the right way of doing things right yeah and isn't wikipedia supposed to be fact-based Yes. Um, so, but like, what is what, what what's are facts? Arguing? What are there? Like, what, what facts are there, Angelo? There are facts, and there are truthful facts, and there are not truthful <laughs> facts. 
Uh, I do think there's some stuff though, that's facts. Yeah. I just like, like, for example, I do think there are certain things and I'm trying to think of something in particular, but an article, whether you're deciding whether or not a certain like um, uh, facet of something should be in this article or its own article, for example, or, you know, like how do you sort of like uh, differentiate between like useful information and needless information that you can link to in the footnotes? Yeah. Like if a certain metal band played in Europe or not. Oh, a good move, my friend. Uh, but before we talk about that, though, uh, I do want to talk about uh, a similarly toxic uh, community of Nintendo Switch hackers and pirates. I didn't realize that the Nintendo Switch had this much hacking and pirating on it. I thought it was a pre-lockdown system. Uh, I guess I was really wrong. Yeah, so like there's a whole community um, based around um, trying to figure out how to get games ahead of time and then uh, turn the DRM off and hand that out. Uh, and they, it's, beginning, it's becoming more and more elaborate, right? Well, some of them are actually pretty sad. It's like they get the games, the physical copies from Australia, and then what, you get it like 12 hours earlier, which is not much of a hack or pirating thing there. Uh, and a lot of these pirated things are actually, you have to pay for them. It's not like you're stealing them. Well, they're stealing them, but then you have to actually pay for them. It's not like the good old days of pirated uh, Dreamcast games. Well, you say that now, but I do mean that there are communities where in order to, you know, enter them, there are certain ways. And one of the ways was to buy yourself into allowing uh, yourself to get like a private FTP access, right? Yeah. I Anyway, I, I just find it odd that there's so much pirating going on with the Switch. I, I do have like, it's happened twice now where I pre-order a game and it sits there beckoning me to play. And I, and I wonder like... Is that the actual full game? And apparently it is. It's it just, is, yeah. it doesn't have something called the title key, which is what they talk about in the article. And they kind of fake these title keys to be able to play these types of games. So something like Smash Brothers now might get hacked and people might be playing it early. Although Nintendo seems pretty gung-ho about blocking these switches. So they have, all the switches have their own certificate. And if a, a switch is caught using a game that they shouldn't be using it they just basically cut them off do you remember just coming back to a point do you remember earlier this year sega released yakuza 6 as a demo and then it actually turned out to be the whole game i don't remember that no yeah this was a uh, uh, february march of, of 2018 but yeah apparently they kind of goofed and then they thought they had uploaded the demo because a lot of the times uh you are given a demo and the demo is much larger than it's supposed to be because it turns out it's just the full game uh just not yet unlocked the opposite is also true where you go buy a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 and you put in the disc, which should hold the game, and then you have a 50 gigabyte download. Well, it was the same thing for Spider-Man, I think, for PlayStation recently. Yeah, uh, this is like a new game model, right? Like like we ship and then we're going to fix all the bugs in the interim and then your zero day patch, ostensibly, uh, might be your whole game. Yeah, GameSack just had a great uh, video about uh, superhero games, and the first one they talked about was Spider-Man. And uh, Joe mentions how excited he was to play, but it took uh, like an extra half hour to actually start the game. So something really interesting about this toxic community is um, <laughs> the sheer amount of like animosity and anger that like ripping groups have towards each other, which has existed, you know, for the last like 25 plus years at this point, right? Uh, if you know anything about, uh, you know, scene releases. And uh, so there's like a lot of like, anger and like willingness to like brick each other's like switches like using malicious code and software installed uh there's a lot of yeah a lot of uh unhappy unsatisfied people just fighting each other uh for the sake of stolen video games they are really mean to each other but who would have thought that pirates would be rude to each other when it comes to competition Zelda. 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 
I kind of want to talk about something a little bit different, a little bit out of our wheelhouse that we generally speak about. Um, so I sent you a, a BuzzFeed news article about uh, Rachel Hollis and her book, Girl, Wash Your Face. Uh, I don't know how much of the article you read. Let's I actually read the whole thing because okay. it was pretty interesting. And I, so I started reading this article and I had no idea what this had to do with our show. Right. It's kind of a Trojan horse. Okay. So, ostensibly, I mean, and the point in this article is not necessarily the point I want to talk about, but it's the idea that Rachel Hollis views success in a certain kind of lens. And, like, does everyone view that, like, in the same way, too? And, you know, is she fat shaming by saying, like, you know, you know, go on a diet, et cetera, et cetera. But what I want to talk about is something that's kind of raised in the middle of the article. And it's the concept of curated imperfection in the digital age. What do you mean by that term? So what I mean is the idea that people appear to be human yet spent so much time doing it, right? So the idea of the the unprompted photo, the makeupless photo, but yet the light is perfect. Someone else is taking your picture. Like there's there's staging going on and the idea of like authenticity kind of evaporates, right? Okay, I see exactly what you mean. And we see this on Instagram by uh, the influencers that are on there. Uh, any imperfections you see in my Instagram are true to life. Just 100% real? Yep. I do not stage photos for my Instagram. Is this another pledge you're about to take? No, I'm not going to take that pledge. What if I become an influencer one day? <laughs> yeah. I, so, for example, like Rachel Hollis has uh, over 800,000 Instagram followers. And, you know, she was mentioning that she was sort of like trying to come off more natural. But the more natural uh, she tries to be, I feel in a lot of her shots and the idea of like I'm human too kind of uh, goes against the way in which she is curating an image and ostensibly a brand, Right. I wonder about her, though. I'm really kind of confused as to what she's trying to do. Her whole life seems odd to me. In what ways? She seems sort of like a swindler, sort of, but a sincere one. But, I mean, that's just that's just a, the life of an influencer or a motivational speaker or someone who's very brand-minded, right? And I think that is something that we're seeing um, online a lot. And I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, famous for the sake of being famous. And I think that, like, this might be an example of that, though uh, people may feel empowered by the message that she puts out there. I do feel at her core, she's a series of contradictions too, right? So the idea of the curated imperfection. Yeah. And I, I don't think she's uh, famous just for being famous. She's actually done something. Uh, and this brings right, no, up... But I'm talking about, I'm talking about like influencers in general, not specifically okay. Rachel Hollis, but I'm just saying like a lot of people now online um, oh, yes. have brains and identities based around themselves and not necessarily ostensibly like um, a skill or something that they bring to the world at large beyond um, what they offer up on social media. And what this brings up too is that there's these little microcosms of fame on the internet now, right? It's not like everybody knows who who's like super popular with some people. Like there's, you know, like you and I might know who... Uh, Ethan and Hila Klein are from H3H3, but like you could ask anybody at your office and they'll have no clue you're talking about, even though they have millions of followers. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do think that speaks to something that we've talked about, how we are uh, more and more fragmented and niche, I think, in our desires, wants, and uh, what we uh, uh, consume as entertainment uh, just in general, right? Well, yeah. Like even look, just uh, let's be selfish and use us as an example. We don't have like... Uh, tens of thousands of listeners or anything, but we have a small audience that listens to us and uh, they know who we are, which is kind of interesting to me, even though we're, we're just regular guys that record a show every once in a while. It's very, very true, actually. And that's the thing is that, that there are so many options out there in 2018, right? And I do feel like this article is really a jumping off point to sort of unpack a lot of them beyond the curated imperfection, beyond the, the sort of like, it's a return of, to a cult of personality, really, right? Yeah. And it comes back to like why the motivations behind this. So for example, 
what's what's our motivation to do this podcast and uh, in all honesty, it's just like a creative outlet for us to just talk to each other once a week, which is great for our friendship, but it's also fun for us where we get to uh, write and edit stuff. I, I'm really enjoying being able to use editing software. It's it's fun to me, and it's like a, a little hobby instead of building ships in a bottle or doing puzzles. Is I, that like two and three for you? Yeah, that's uh, after I'm finished editing the podcast, I go straight to building ships in a box. With a corn cob pipe going on, probably? Exactly. And, uh, you know, speaking of corn... Uh, <laughs> the band or the food? Candy corn. Oh, so right. many, okay. Like, several people have asked me about that because they listened to our episode. And I kept forgetting that I mentioned it, that I had no idea what it was. And people kept trying to explain it to me. There's a few people at my office that listen, and they were explaining to me what corn, uh, what candy corn was, and I had a good laugh. So, uh, does it incentivize you to want to make you try candy corn? No. Do you know the 1932 movie Freaks by Todd Browning? Yes, I actually do know that okay. movie. It's with the circus freaks, right? Yeah, like a Google Gobble, one of us. Yes, I know. I know yeah, exactly. Okay. I, mean, I think right. uh, I saw clips of it in class once. Okay, so this I think this is what's going on with, with candy corn. I, I don't follow. <laughs> okay, so the, the candy corn people are coming at you, and you're going to become one of us, Google Gobble. Oh, I get it. One of us. One of us. Yes, exactly. One of us. One of us. Uh, but yeah, I felt like this was a really interesting article. I know it's it's outside of the types of things that you tend to read. For sure. But I actually read the whole thing. It was, you said, oh, you just have to read the, the first third of it. But I ended up going through the whole thing. I was, you know, sitting on the couch with the iPad makes things easy. You don't have to sit in front of a computer screen and read these things anymore. Double density. Last item on the docket for the tech section this week. One word and one word only. Angela, are you ready? Hit me with it. That word is threatened, my friend. Okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, one of my favorite websites to visit, Metal Sucks, recently broke a story about this band, Threaten. Um, so uh, an L.A.-based band, but really it's not really an L.A.-based band. It's a man named Jared Threaten, and he somehow managed to book an entire European tour by faking a number of things, including uh, a booking agent. So he set up a fake website with a booking agent, um, and then uh, a fake record label, and then a, uh, a fake management company, and... And then he also, I do believe, uh, faked uh, a number of other things and deceived um, some promoters in the UK. Uh, he also uh, did things like buy uh, Facebook likes. He artificially uh, apparently inflated YouTube views. He uh, shot weird videos of the band playing, but you don't really see the band. It's either the crowd or the band playing. It's never both. So this is kind of going back to what we were just talking about with Rachel Hollis, who actually did develop a big following. Uh, this guy's really trying his best to develop a following and really cares about developing a following, but just can't manage to. One fun fact, Brian, every time I read his name, I read it as theremin. So I just pictured <laughs> one guy on a stage with a theremin. Uh, I kind of wanted to bring this up because now it's like all unraveling. Like his brother put out a statement saying that he hasn't spoken to his brother since 2012 and has sort of distanced himself from it. But, uh, and like the guys, uh, his backing band didn't know that this deception was going on. Like they were getting paid, but not much. Uh, and then they had realized that they were probably going to get swindled too. And they left, but this guy like went like all deep. Like this goes like, it, this is years old. Like he created some of these websites years ago. Like he created a fake news, like music news website just to bury an announcement of this band. It's it's pretty incredible the lengths people will go to for them to become famous. It's really odd. 
I wonder how much money he spent on this as well. Uh, way too much. And his brother intimated in uh, the note that he posted online that it seems as though Jared, uh, so his real name is Jared Eames, may have uh, borrowed money in order to accomplish this. Honestly, it's so it's frustrating for the people that booked him and lost money on this. But I'm kind of sad for him. Like, what's how unhappy is he that he needs this to happen in his life, that he's gone to these lengths it's sort of sad. So I have a couple of theories on this, right? So the first one I think is that I don't know if he, uh, so it, this might be like a fake it until you make it kind of thing. Like if you put yourself enough and you, you kind of like the secret style, right? Like if you put this stuff on your vision board and you make it happen, <laughs> then, you know, it happens, you actualize it, right? The so secret I feel like part of it's that. way too often I know, in our podcast. I know. But I do feel like it's, it, it might be that I don't necessarily think that he is that naive because this is a lot of time and money spent on this endeavor, right? For sure. And he's been at this since the mid 2000s. Yes. Yeah. Like that is the crazy thing. So at least since 2012 um, for this particular project. And then before that, he was in another band. I think they discovered who exactly who he was. And they th- what, like 2007? Yeah. He was in a band with his brother at one point. And this is also why his brothers prompted to put a statement out. Um, but then, yeah, Metal Sucks dug deep. And uh, so the thing is that, like, so these shows in the UK, they were booked for um, several different uh, venues of like different hundred to like a thousand cap. And like, no joke, there were like two to three people in some of these uh, shows. These poor two to three people, like, exa- who exactly bought these tickets? So uh, the opening acts, friends. Oh, yes. Okay. That's yeah, sad. Yeah. That, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's borderline pathetic. Yeah. I kind of wanted to bring this up, though, because I feel like this is an interesting way in which tech is used to deceive people, like, literally deceive people into booking you to make money. With enough work and enough time, you can make up a whole profile for yourself online. It's, it's actually not that complicated. It just takes some time. And some money. So this is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to open up my cell phone. So on Friday, I checked out this this guy's uh, music, right? And okay. so what I had done is I went to the Threaten Spotify page, and it shows how many monthly listeners there are. So on Friday, I remember there are 144. Angela, do you want to guess how many uh, roughly five days later there are? At least 10 times. 4,471 monthly listens. And so this was smart. Like, is this part of it? Is this part of the deception? That's what I'm thinking is that he's trying to turn a negative into a positive. But the, the the sad thing is if you listen to the music, it is not good, my friend, at all. Also, if you are on a streaming service, go check out Threaten. Go look up um, the artist page and then look at the uh, album cover for the singles where he just keeps holding a frame, like a like a, a picture frame. It's very strange. He's uh, He's not a master Photoshop artist. No, sadly, he is definitely not. I do think that you have to be a little bit delusional at this point, though, right? Oh yeah, for sure. He's not, he's not all there. Unfortunately, this, this kind of like deception kind of reminds me too of like, um, uh, uh, Manti Teo. Do you remember him? The college football player with the dead girlfriend. So his girlfriend never existed, correct? No, he, he made it up. And then what happened is that it got picked up online. Deadspin, which we're going to link to, did this incredible expose on a timeline of, of what happened there. And then it basically comes to be that this girl does not exist. What was his explanation for doing that? <sighs> Attention. It's like those kids that that put uh, RIP on their uh, on their Instagram accounts, right? The, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, it's 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 all online attention seeking. Uh, I do think that Jared Threaten in this case is really hoping that someone's going to see him, someone's going to scout him, and then it's going to turn into like a fairy tale kind of story. But I really highly doubt that that will be the case. Well, if the music's not good, that's that's the problem. You kind of do need talent. So. 
I do feel like using technology in this way is a double-edged sword, right? Because of the fact that like, while you can fake it till you make it in one way, um, on the other side, uh, it is very easy to be found out. For sure, because you leave such a trail. Well, yeah, like if this, you know, Jared threatens own brother, Jared Eames's own brother comes out now, Scott Eames, and he says, hey, uh, I haven't spoken to my brother since 2012. I, obviously, he's probably spent a lot of time and money and borrowed a lot of money doing this. I don't approve of it. I haven't spoken to him forever. So it, it, the truth comes out rather quickly. Well, yeah, everything online, unfortunately, will come out, uh, whether you want it to or not. With that in mind, Angelo, all of your naughty pictures are now on the cloud. Congrats. Great. It's that picture of me dressed as Mario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I did quickly want to bring up the story of Kevin Hart, spelled the same way as the comedian, though uh, it is. He's great. Uh, he was in, really in that movie with The Rock. I like them together. How do I hang this up here? How do I hang up Skype for the bad jokes? Figure that out. But yeah, Kevin Hart, the high school football player who once again tried to fake his way uh, into getting a college school to accept him. Yeah, that's a really long article. That's a, it's an older one, too. It's from 2008. Yeah, and it's really good. And I, I looked him up. He uh, is he played some college ball, my friend. Oh, he ended up playing. Okay. Someone took pity on him, basically, is what would happen at the end of the day. Uh, so I guess someone might take pity on Jared Threaten here uh, and uh, perhaps bring him a record label. Yeah, uh, if you want to be on a show, we can talk about it. Maybe even a legitimate tour. Yeah, well, uh, send out uh, your, your VP of PR. Send okay. out a message to him. See if he wants to be on Double Density. We'll find out uh, his interest in technology and if he's interested in the paranormal. He seems to be interested in uh, in like death metal and dark stuff there. So yeah, knows? well, he must have some interest in it for sure. He's got okay, those well, really I, cool spiky bands. I'm gonna go ahead and, and uh, I will fax him and see where this goes. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, please send them a fax. You, you use the same form that they use from that UFO place, right? <laughs> and with that mind, my friend, I will see you on the paranormal side of things. See you there. Hello. I'm a computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. First thing on the docket this week. So last week we had done a whole thing about um, weird Montreal noises. And I had a couple of friends who agreed it kind of did sound like the, you know, the trumpet of the Archangel. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. It was really cool. Did you have your uh, fiance listen to it? No, I probably should, though. I'm yeah, gonna, she would find that interesting. I'm going to pull her aside and ask her. Uh, not right now because we are recording a podcast my friend the <laughs> microphone's right in my face but uh so i decided to keep the montreal theme going and so our uh local uh major newspaper our well, her only english newspaper here our only daily one uh put out an article today entitled ufos might have been extraterrestrial vehicles according to retired mcgill prof yeah so mcgill professor uh he's a professor of psychology his name is don don Derry, and when you sent me the article i recognized the name from his appearance on the Paracast. Oh, there you go. Local connections being made everywhere. So uh, Don Derry is talking about how... So last week, there was um, a couple of flights uh, in the UK heading towards North America who presumably saw things, right? Yeah, they saw some weird lights, and apparently they described them as flying at Mach 2. I'm not... So how does the pilot understand how quickly an object is going just by looking at it? I guess they're trained for that. Yeah, like that's part of their training is to ascertain, if you can, the speed of something based on a number of factors. And so these were going very fast, like past the speed of sound, and they saw them, they were lights. So they weren't, they didn't 
they didn't have any sort of hard metal shape to them from what I could gather. No, exactly. So uh, it is a bit of a mystery still. Uh, so John Derry, who is a psych prof at McGill, but also teaches a class called UFOs, History and Reality. I would totally take that class. I'm, I, uh, I would bet you that it's one of the quickest filled courses in that university. Yeah, but back to the matter at hand. So Dundari claims that, so he's kind of like in the middle, kind of like hanging out with us in the skeptical um, um, scale, the, the patented double density scale of, of ufology. I, I'd, I'd place him closer to you and Rob. Yeah, I do think that he's more open to uh, understanding it. Uh, and the article kind of pauses him in between uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, true believers, um, which I found kind of funny. But uh, yeah, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson is like really at the other end. He's a Carl Sagan for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like on the one to four, he's a one. Uh, Prof Dondir is kind of hanging out with me like a two and a half, let's say. I'd, I'd peg this guy more at a three, but yeah. Well, maybe we should try and get him on this show and see where this goes. Yeah, maybe he listens. It'd be funny if he listened to this show and, and then called us. Uh, bringing up the idea of the secret, I'm going to put his name up here on the patented double density uh, visual board. <laughs> Our wish board. Vision. Vision board. It's starting to look like one of those uh, crazy walls, isn't it? Yeah, with the with the the yarn. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I don't know if you read that all the way to the end of the article. But yes, like, I did. oh, okay. So they talk about you know our our favorite uh, former Pentagon official Louis Elizondo. Yes, I actually was reading this on the train and chuckled out loud to myself when I saw that uh, Elizondo came up again. He's come up on like basically half of our episodes. So I, I, I just kind of want to read this quote because I'm not sure this is true anymore. Uh, so he says that, Don Neri says, humans find it easier to convince themselves there is no evidence and prefer to see those affirming the existence of ETs as crazy or seeking adventure profit. Now, I don't think that's true anymore. No, I would guess that most people actually believe there's alien life out there. However, they might not think, like me, I don't think they're visiting us. Now, interesting side point to this. Uh, my daughter and I have been watching a show called Brainchild, and they did a whole episode about outer space and stuff. And aliens came up, and if they're visiting us. And so I asked my daughter, what do you think? I, I Do you think there's aliens out there? And she's she said, yes. And I, I asked if you think they're visiting us. She said, well, if the, we're not visiting them, why would they visit us? And that's a good point. Like we're not, we're life in the universe, but we're not visiting anybody. So there's probably hundreds, maybe thousands, if not millions of civilizations out there that have no idea other civilizations exist. We're just not visiting them. And who knows how far any spacefaring aliens are. They might not even be in our galaxy. They, uh, so I was kind of thinking about this today, right? Just, um, just in general terms, right? I feel like we're a very uh, selfish society in the way that we portray aliens to have uh, four limbs and two eyes, and the things are all placed in the neatly in a human-like body. Yeah, humanoid aliens. Yeah, I mean, and that's the most prevalent sort of alien, right? If you think of it, just look at life on Earth and how different it is from itself. Like, not everything looks like us. Like, yes, apes look like us, but look at snails. Look at crickets. Look how different they look. Imagine we were faced with like alien crickets. I wouldn't even know where to begin to talk to one of those things, right? But I do think that like there's this fallacy of of uh, human centricity here. Exactly. So much to do with UFOs and aliens. We kind of base it on what we know. Well, we'll go from this guy now to men in black, right? Right. 
we kind of paint a picture of these men in black as being sort of human-like. Now, the thing is, is it could be coming from the other end where it's, they don't look like us, but it's the aliens making them sort of kind of look like us. And that's the whole thing behind the men, the men in black being just so odd in terms of how they look. They sort of look human, but they're not. There's a lot to unpack here with the men in black. I feel, and I feel like once again, like, uh, we tend to posit that our show is just, you know, kind of a primer on the subject. It is by no means an exhaustive kind of exploration of the topic. But I've struggled pretty much all of my life trying to figure out what they are in terms of like, you know, because there are several avenues, right? So are they government agents wishing to silence people? Is it a joke? Is it aliens uh, creating their best simulacra of what a human and how a human would act? You know, is there something else at play here that I'm not aware of, right? Okay, so I'll give you what I think they are. Are you ready for this? Yes. You're not going to be shocked. Uh, I think there's something sort of like Slender Man, right? Where it was made up by somebody and then it just kind of took off on its own. Whereas we're still close enough to the whole Slender Man thing that pretty much everybody realizes it came from a myth that somebody created on like the internet in like 2005. Whereas with the Men in Black, they've become so pervasive in the way we talk about UFOs and stuff like that, that we've kind of really brought them in and made them real. Oh, that's a really interesting kind of take on it. And then, you know, kind of like um, as an aside or a tangent to that, right? Like John Keel had encounters with uh, men in, in dark suits and he believed them to be actual supernatural, like demonic forces, right? John Keel didn't invent the men in black. It was, it was, what's his name? Uh, Bender, right? Well, Bender, but then it was, the, it was, it was, it was Harold Dahls, right? Sorry, not Dahls, Harold Dahl, who first um, encountered people coming to visit him dressed up in that way, right? Yeah, and I can picture uh, our friend Rob uh, yelling at his iPhone right now, listening to me uh, make mistakes about this. And but, butcher uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, just remember, like, it's the Maury Island incident. It's the, the donut-shaped objects. It's the weird debris, right? And he uh, kind of unpacked it in uh, one of his episodes of Our Strange Guys. But uh, suffice it to say, like, the Men in Black phenomenon predates um, uh, John Keel by at least uh, 20-ish years, let's say. Okay. And, jo- and, and John- I'm talking like a modern society here. Okay. And and now, do you know of any sort of discussion about these types of people in the past? And the thing is, is so let's say, let's look at it this way. Let's say these Men in Black are aliens that come here to kind of like shush us about what we've seen and stuff. And they kind of present themselves as like G-men. And this all started in the thirties, forties or fifties, whatever. Forties. In the forties. Okay. And, and that, that actual look of them in fedoras and black suits makes sense for that time period. And it sort of makes sense for the current time period, right? A guy in a black suit is like secret service or whatever, right? What if, if they were appearing to people in like, Ancient Greek times, they were just wearing robes like the other Greeks, uh, and they just sort of looked weird. And maybe they were like, why the Greeks had these Greek gods, or why maybe in the the 1800s they looked like cowboys, but just weird looking cowboys. I don't know. I'm just spitballing over here. So what you're saying is that they're, they're kind of like observers. It's just now that in this modern society that we can connect the dots on a global kind of scale, um, they're becoming more a little bit more and more known. Yeah, the the observers from the Fringe show. From was it right. Fringe? Yeah, it was Fringe. Oh, it's kind of like um, you know the Watcher from the Marvel universe, right? Like Yuatu, he he records what happens, and he's not supposed to interfere, but once in a while he will. It's interesting that you say that the recent episode of Doctor Who was sort of like that. 
Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I'm not really caught up on my Doctor Who, so. I, uh, a side note, Doctor Who this season is so good. That's what people keep telling me, and I don't, I wish I had the time to, to sit down. And oh, do my God. She's great. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, there's people complaining that it's kind of sort of too political, but no, it's, it's the times we live in, and uh, it's fine because I agree with everything they say, so too bad. <laughs> You're on the right side of history, my friend. Exactly. Yeah, there's so much to unpack, and there's two. We're going to link to two Nick Redfern articles uh, from Mysterious Universe, all about uh, the Men in Black in general. And one of them is an encounter with the Men in Black, which I find kind of interesting um, in some ways, in that it's a firsthand account as told to Nick Redfern about you know how these men operate and how they act uh, in the presence of people who have seen or have uh, told others that they've seen certain things. That whole thing read like a horrible dream. It really did. It really did. You know, I, I worry about the person who wrote that to him because. She has a lot going on there, and it sounds terrifying. Regardless of it, whether it's Men in Black or whatever, there is something happening to this poor person. I don't think she's, or maybe she's wanting attention, like our friends in the previous segment. But I don't. Oftentimes, I find people that report paranormal stuff aren't really looking for attention. Sometimes they are, like the Amityville horror, but in some cases they're not. In many cases, they're not. And you know, I do believe that there's like a certain uh, air of authenticity that comes with a lot of this kind of stuff too, right? Whether, you know, it's, so there's like, I think there's like four main classifications on the table or five maybe, right? So there's our watcher theory, which you seem to enjoy thinking about, not necessarily believing in. There's the, the government agent angle. There's the alien angle. There's also the demonic force angle. And then there's also, I think something that maybe uh, would be interesting to explore in that um, it could be a mixture of of these different types altogether, right? Like who says that it's one soul type of person, right? So the idea that perhaps these watchers, for example, have existed um, throughout time and then um, it's caught on and then people are trying to duplicate that. Wow, you're really going out there with that. I know. Well, and this is why, right? Because of the fact that like these encounters are so wide ranging in, in terms of like how they describe these people. Some people um, are seem to be threatening human beings uh, dressed up as old school government G-men and others seem to not know how to actually comport themselves as human beings, right? At their core, uh, questioning like basic social kind of cues and angles and things like that, right? So there's like a wide swath of, of different sorts of encounters that occur all under the umbrella of the men in black yeah there was that encounter at the diner was that uh harold Dahl that had that weird encounter at the diner uh i think so i can't remember i'm drawing a blank because i'm so exhausted but it could be but yeah it, it was discussed again on our strange skies uh in case like they're like the three people that listen to this show and don't listen to that one uh rob's currently on hiatus but he's gonna be back soon and he has a great back catalog. Go listen if you want somebody who actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to uh, the men in black other than me. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's so many weird stories. I think it is a combination of different things, right? Maybe this myth was created and the government, when they want you to like not know about something, and it doesn't have to be aliens, obviously, it could be any sort of secretive thing where, you know, somebody may have seen a, a test flight that they shouldn't have seen or whatever. They'll, they'll send the guys dressed up in black to kind of freak them out. And the thing, too, that I do believe is just because of the fact that, like, there is so much of a wide range of, of sort of encounters that there's no uniform description of how a man in black uh, both dresses and operates. No, they're, they're, they're the ones that have the weird makeup. They look strange. There's the ones that are just very human looking that are just dressed in black. There's that really creepy uh, security footage from Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah. Where I still can't tell if it's real or not. I am kind of on the fence. I don't, you know, with all the information available out there, I'm still not sure what it is. 
And so this kind of leads to my next question about all of this, about the men in black. Do you feel um, like the film series and its popularity has kind of um, normalized the idea? And therefore, like you were saying before, like, you know, like when the government doesn't want you to know something or wants to warn you about something, um, you now know what's coming. So you think they're the men in black, they're the galaxy defenders. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's just the idea that, um, it's a tool for propaganda put out there in order to sensitize people so that they know that if they talk, that something's going to happen to them. Hmm. I mean, I mean, like, like realistically, I do not believe that that is the case at all, but there is a case to be made for that. I think given the fact and given the way in which these people operate, just generally speaking, right. And the idea that, um, some of these, uh, so for example, like I read the, the comic book series saucer country and in there, they sort of talk about how, um, the men in black were like a, a joke that was like perpetuated, like a bunch of like army base officers dressed up and sort of like intimidated people for fun. Okay. Well, in terms of possibility of things actually being true, that's higher up on the list, right? It, it, oh, I, for sure. I'd say it's higher up on the list than like them being interdimensional creatures or aliens of some kind. Uh, I, I like the idea that they're robots. That's the other idea I like. If if we're gonna go if we're gonna go wild, they're like we're doing like six categories here. How many? Okay, yeah. So what are the so categories we got, now? We got aliens. Okay. We've got uh, serious government men, okay. silly government men, robots, right? The Watchers, and a mixture of all of the above. So we'll have to like write this down in a chart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We might have to. You know what? We can build like one of those sort of uh, um, like alignment charts. Oh, also no, because we've got seven. We have demons. Oh, demons. Look at that. Yeah. So demons, aliens, serious army, silly army, robots, watchers, and a mixture of all of the above uh, based on a uh, series of contextual clues that you can pick up. Do you remember an episode 77 of Double Density when we were talking about all that is Dan Brown and I linked you to an express.co.uk yes. um, article and then we made fun of all of it. Yes. Uh, guess what? The, the website's back, Angelo. Um, the title of this article is UFO hunter who found alien buildings on Mercury says men in black tried to silence him. Surprise. So this article comes, uh, is about a year old, November, 2017. And I figured uh, we would link to that for, uh, laughs and giggles. Uh, do not, uh, place much weight on it just based on the number of uh, pop-ups and windows that exist, uh, within the website. But yeah, the men in black can be a multitude of things and I still haven't made up my mind. And I, I the more I read, the less I'm sure of how I feel about these things. Cause sometimes they appear to be like very strong willed, very um, intimidating sort of people. And then other, in other terms, they're just, they seem to not understand society as a whole. And you don't quite understand if they're trying to be intimidating or whether they're just there to sort of like observe and learn. It's quite the contradiction. Cause you'd think that if they were, this all-knowing alien species, or at least sent by this all-knowing alien species, that they would actually have a better understanding of what we are. It's it's quite odd. I do agree. And I think that, um, so uh, th- apart from the account of the Men in Black, uh, Nick Redfern also has uh, uh, an article entitled MIB and Me, The Origins. And I do feel it kind of sums up how I feel about the Men in Black in certain ways. And that like the more uh, time progresses, the less sure I am of these different things um, and sort of trying to figure out what it is, has kind of become harder and harder to do um, based on more and more information and evidence being gathered. Right now, Nick Redfern's like the expert on the Men in Black, I'd say. He's, he's up there anyway. And uh, he, what, these two articles came out this, w- this week, basically. 
Uh, he's he's quite prolific. He's got how many books, Brian? Like oh, dozens. Dozens, it's, right? Yeah. He does seem to really think about this stuff. I've actually never read one of his books, though I'm sad to say. You should. You should. I might try to hand one your way, but you definitely should. I do feel in terms of um, people who explore these things, he does have some very, very good points to make. He's not a, a nutter, let's say. Like, he's not... No, yeah. He's, he's not, not Jim Mars. No. Uh, R.I.P. Jim Mars. How dare you uh, I read knew all you were going to say something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it. I mean, Alien Agenda basically raised me, right? So... Oh Even though like now that I sit there, most of those chapters have come to pass and they're not factual or, you know, uh, based in reality. Like there's a Chupacabra chapter in there. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I'm reading a good a book. I just started it yesterday. It's called Monsters Among Us. You're the one who recommended it to me. Oh, Linda Godfrey. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's very well written so far. I've only read like a couple of chapters, but it's great. super enjoyable. It's I'm reading that enjoyable. between uh, I'm reading that and uh, Fear, Trump in the White House. Oh, perfect. Uh, and then I'm going to make you read another book uh, that I want to talk about on this very podcast, too. So Called Bad Blood. Exactly. So get your body ready for all that these things. That whole episode do, is going to have that Taylor Swift song playing in the background. <laughs> it's the background. I do feel like this is a good place to draw episode 82 of Double Density to a close. What do you say? I think it's great. And um, please let us know what you think about The Men in Black. Is our seven uh, pillar theory wrong? Yeah. <laughs> our seven pronged attack on The Men in Black? Yeah. I think maybe we'll have to have Rob on one of these days Where to he just talk can about us Black. Yes, for like he's, minutes straight. he's just going to get mad at me for what <laughs> I say. Uh, uh, yeah, you can always let us know how you feel. Uh, we'll probably throw up a Twitter poll uh, when this episode comes out. Uh, you can visit us at uh, on Twitter, as I just mentioned, at double underscore density. You can head over to facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can also head over to double density.net and click on the contact button. You know, if you are purported men in black, please, or, or man in black, woman in black, a creature in black, uh, please let us know through the contact form. Just don't come over to my house. Yeah, no. Do you want to yell out your address now? Or is that kind of... No. no, no, no. Okay, perfect. Uh, so we're going to leave things uh, there, Angelo. And uh, I implore everyone to tune in next week as we head south and hang with the friggin' skunk ape because it's already snowing here in Canada and it's only mid-November and I uh, I came home today and it was freezing. It was ridiculous. I don't know. It's, it, winter's weird. And with that, my friends, I will see and hear you all next week. See ya. game like red 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 realm redemption brian actually knows what he's talking about and maybe we'll have rob on oh do you hear that that's my cat going crazy she does not like the men in black there's also the dana the da, the demo there's also the dana the da, the demo there's also the dana the da, the demo there's also the dana the da, the demo